0: Welcome to SFF Yeah, a podcast dedicated to all things science fiction and fantasy. This is episode 10, and we're recording on October 3rd. I'm Sharifa Williams, and I'm here with Jen Northington, and we're coming to you from BookRiot.com. How are you doing, Jen?
1: I'm good. I am preparing to go to Comic-Con. We're recording this episode early because I'm going to be away for the rest of the week at NYCC, which is always both exhausting and wonderful (laughs) I always look forward to seeing the cosplay like I love to see the cosplay at Comic Con but also like that much time and that many people in the Javits Center is always a lot I can
0: imagine I was actually going to ask you if you dress up
1: (laughs) I did one year no two years I did two years I did a very casual Kamala Khan cosplay last time I went (laughs) Um, yes it was so fun I was with uh, two other people who who were doing the same cosplay it was with Preeti and Swepna and it was awesome um and then when I used to work it because at the bookstore I used to work for we would do the book sales for the Random House booth uh-huh. and I did a casual Medusa cosplay uh-huh. one year which was so fun I'll try to find a picture you um, should I love mythology t- so that speaks to my heart I mean, Medusa has always been a personal favorite because I have a lot of sympathy with her hair. Um, It would be lovely to be able to turn men into stone with one glare. Like, that would be awesome. Oh, my goodness.
0: What a life. What a life.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so I did Medusa one year. Um, But, yeah, I've never done, like, any serious cosplay. And we have meetings. And while I could go to our sales meetings in, like, full whatever, Absolutely. I think I will spare myself. So <laughs> <laughs> how's your day going?
0: It's good. I'm actually getting over a, a really bad cold. So oh, no. I've got my water nearby. I'm hoping I don't cough into anybody's ear, but oh, I'm well. getting better. So I, I think I'm, I'm all right. And I wish you to not get the con cough, the horrible... Oh, yeah. Illnesses that just go around the comic conventions specifically.
1: Con plague, it's real. I have a very strict regimen of emergency and hand washing. So we'll see. Although usually I remember to get my flu shot before Comic Con, and I did not remember this year. So everybody, knock on wood. (laughs) The strange (laughs) preparations you have to do. I know. (laughs) Oh well, let me do our first sponsor, and then we will dive into our news stories. Um. So our first sponsor today is The Bloodprint by Asma Zahanik Khan, which you may have heard us talking about. We are huge fans of Khan's work. Um, she ha- is the author of a mystery series, um, including the book The Unquiet Dead, that um, Amanda and I over on Get Booked recommend to people all the time. And she has written her first fantasy novel. It is about, uh, it takes place in a world where the talisman, a superstitious patriarchy that suppresses knowledge and subjugates women, is growing in power throughout the land. And the only ones who are strong enough to stand up to their darkness are the companions of Hera, a group of influential women whose power derives from the claim, the magic inherent in the words of a sacred scripture. Uh, foremost among them is Arian and her fellow warrior, Sinia, and as they search for a miraculous symbol of hope that can destroy the talisman's. Arian and Sinia know that this mission may well be their last. So this is a big epic fantasy that explores religion and gender and politics, but with like that lens of hopefulness that you get from fantasy. Um, The companions of Hera fight with weapons and words um, because (laughs) their magic comes from a sacred text and they are like, you know, sword wielding warriors as well. So there's a lot of good stuff to love here. I have not read this yet, but I have read her other books and I really enjoyed them. So I'm excited to see her doing something new. So again, that's The Bloodprint by Usma Zahanak Khan. And um, yeah, thanks for sponsoring the show.
0: Wonderful. I have heard a lot about that book, so I definitely want to pick it up. I haven't read any of her stuff
1: yet, so I well, love that she's doing are- fantasy yeah she like comes from a legal and human rights background if I remember correctly and she um, her mysteries take place in Canada. They actually don't take place in the us. Um, wow. I think she lived in Canada for a long time, I want to say. but they're super great. I really love them she's 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 we we had her on um, get booked for to do a special mystery and thriller themed show and she was wonderful. Oh, that's so, excellent. Big, big love for her over
0: <laughs> here. <laughs> Hurrah. I guess I, speaking of, I think that the first story I want to talk about is a, a new favorite author of mine as well, Rin Chupeco.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you hear me clapping? I'm yes. clapping.
0: <laughs> I was like, am I supposed to hear that? I'm clapping too. I'm clapping in my head. Um. Rin Chupako, as some of you know, is the author of The Bone Witch, which I loved. I was so happy. I am obsessed with witchy books. So when that came out, um, I immediately picked it up and I was like, oh my goodness, I I need to read more of these. And now on Twitter, she announced that um, she got a book deal. She, Harper Teen acquired The Never Tilting World, which is a young adult fantasy series by Rin Chipeko, and it says in, in, um... The rights report that it's pitched as Frozen meets Mad Max. Right? Like, so come strange. on. <laughs> I'm like, wow, I I can't even imagine what that must look like, but I'm really curious and I want to know. So the series is about a world ruled by goddesses that, that's been split in two, one half existing in perpetual scorching day, the other in freezing night. And the twins separated at birth who learned they're destined to make their way across the Great Divide and rule a reunited world. So the first book is scheduled for summer of 2019. And the first thing I thought, other than, yay, another book from Rin Chupeco, was,
1: But I need to know what happens in the next Bone Witch book. That was my first thought, too. I was like, wait a minute. Did I misunderstand? Is Bone Witch not a series? But it It is. And the second book has a title. It's The Heart Forger. But I think it doesn't come out until next year. So I'm like, no, Rin, like, I need you to finish... Well, but i'm excited but also i need you to finish me too
0: and i saw on a, in a tweet um below the main one she said she officially has three stories maybe four out in 2019 Whoa. and she's like deadlines will be so much fun and so that gave me hope that made me think like oh well maybe she's not necessarily pausing um her work on the the sequel to the bone witch but now she has all of this stuff to
1: write and
0: <laughs> i'm kind of worried for her but i'm also glad i'm going to get a bunch of books out from her uh, so i'm super excited about this i don't know um well let's see that since this one's supposed to come out summer 2019 i guess we'll probably get the bone witch sequel first but yeah, take-
1: it it seems like they're aiming at next year which I am crossing all of my fingers and toes for. I know. Please I need don't it. Pull I
0: need R. R. it. Martin.
1: <laughs> yeah, oh gosh. Please no. Please no.
0: <laughs> we are all afflicted by like the trauma of that <laughs> in the fa- I think in like particularly the fantasy genre. Those yeah. endless the endless series that sometimes maybe won't get finished. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> So I'm super excited. Um, and if you haven't read The Bone Witch, I definitely would. Although if, um, if you don't like to read books that will make you desperate for the next book and uh, you have to read them all, don't read The Bone Witch first. <laughs> Wait until the rest of the books come out. But
1: so excited about that. Um, so where do you want to go next? I want to talk about the British Fantasy Award winners, I've decided. That's what I want to talk about next. So these were just recently announced. Um, They were officially announced during a ceremony at Fantasy Con, um, and then Tor put up a post about it. And I did not realize that it didn't have to be British written I guess is the word like it doesn't have to be from the UK the the books that can win um and so it's a really good slate of winners first of all um Geek Feminist Revolution by Cameron Hurley won for best nonfiction. Monstrous by Marjorie Liu and Sana Takeda won for best comic graphic novel Monstrous is like is very good um People of Color Destroy Science Fiction edited by Lightspeed Magazine won for Best Anthology, which I was super excited to see because I backed that anthology on Kickstarter. Yay! Um, Arrival won for Best Film and Television Production, of course. And then, uh, like personal favorite victor laval who i will never shut up about <laughs> one for best novella for the Bla- ballad of black tom like it's a really good it's a good list and what was most interesting to me about this list was like i knew a lot of these like i i haven't read the paul tremblay book which won for best horror novel disappearance at devil's rock but i know him but the best fantasy novel award went to the tiger and the wolf by Adrian Tchaikovsky, which I hadn't even heard of. Me like, too. Like, just had not heard of it at all. So I looked it up, and I I put in a hold for it at in the library. I'm very curious. I'm super curious to see. Because I, you know, the other picks kind of tell me what the judges were looking for, and it seems like they were looking for things that I like. So... I am very curious to read that one. And like, how did I not even hear about it? That's what I want to know. Yeah, because you come across so much news,
0: uh, especially since, you know, we're definitely looking for the news and you think that there are lists that come out all the time with Mm. all of the newest books that are out. And I was the same way. I saw this book and I was like, am I like, is it something that maybe came out? really early and I somehow missed it and it was never brought up again or yeah so I I want to read it too I um I don't even know anything about the summary the synopsis yeah
1: so
0: super interesting (laughs) super interesting
1: I was wondering if maybe it was like, you know, some books come out in the U.K. significantly before they come out in the U.S. That's but true. But nope, like it's oh. already out in the – I checked. It's already out <laughs> in the U.S. It's not that. So Wow. <laughs> yeah, I know. We just missed it. We missed yeah, it. Yeah, so. I guess so.
0: I'm curious like if anybody else, if anybody listening has heard of this book. And if you have, like let us let us yeah. know. Let us know where you heard about it because I'm curious about – why this has been so low-key mm-hmm. um but i was super excited about the ballad of black tom victor laval seems to be doing so so well um mm-hmm. during awards season and i was particularly proud for having read that one <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> which doesn't always happen because i don't read a lot of like i don't necessarily read all the new books so yeah i was i was super thrilled by this list too it's great it's a fantastic list Hmm. Um. Yeah. So, the British Fantasy Awards.
1: I know. A plus. <laughs>
0: thank you for giving us those
1: lists. Um, what do you? Uh, what do you want to talk about next?
0: Uh, we can talk about. Do you want to talk about Neil deGrasse Tyson? Yes, I do.
1: <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs>
0: oh my goodness! So this article just made me sort of okay. Let me tell you about it first. So. <laughs> Neil deGrasse Tyson, I guess, was on Twitter, which is unsurprising. Um, He was watching Game of Thrones this recent season, uh, and he was weighing in on... (laughs) What they're saying, they they call it in the article, the most pertinent scientific question of our time. Do Game of Thrones dragons make sense? Which is like, (laughs) only Neil deGrasse Tyson would sit there watching Game of Thrones and try to figure out the logistics of, like, you know, the physics and physiology of these dragons. (laughs) And he actually said he actually, like, put some support behind... The realistic dragons in Game of Thrones, like he mentions, for instance, that their body type and wingspan make sense. The wingspan is sensibly large and (laughs) (laughs) sensibly large. I don't know if I've ever used like sensibly to go with dragons and they don't have four limbs. They forfeited the four limbs to make wings. And basically all I thought when I was reading this was that there should be a competition where whoever wins gets to just sit down in a theater with Neil deGrasse Tyson and just eat a barrel of popcorn. And he gets to talk about the science of, like, fantasy and science fiction movies with you oh my god
1: sign me up sign me (laughs) up i do do you remember when he made a bunch of star wars fans mad about bb8 and the sand and the steps were you did you no tell me about that okay so back when the force awakens first came out he was on twitter commenting like he does bless him (laughs) and he was like okay first of all like There's no way that a a round robot like BB-8 could navigate sand that way. (laughs) (laughs) And then there's like a scene where BB-8 goes up and down some steps just like rolling. And he was like, nah. Like, no. i might be misremembering slightly but i remember the sand thing particularly well and i was like i mean he's not wrong like if you think about it for half a second you're like yeah that probably doesn't work but i don't care but i'm glad to see that he has signed off on the game of thrones dragons and also um what they what the what the like what the dragon breathes part was interesting. Like he says, he believes that the dragon is breathing blue fire, which in terms of thermal physics is three times hotter than normal dragon breath, (laughs) (laughs) because this is a thing that we know what, (laughs) but apparently there's also like the camp that believes that the dragon actually breathes ice. And so like, you know, spoilers, blah, blah, blah. Um, if you're not caught up with game of Thrones, perhaps do not click on this, uh, link because it has some things. But yeah. I was, I was, yes, I agree with you. That is, it's delightful. It's
0: delightful. It's totally delightful. And he was, he didn't like just agree with everything. He did mention something about chains and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it mm-hmm. wasn't like he was just trying to say all is good with Game of Thrones. There's right. some actual. There's some real fantasy physics in here to be considered. <laughs> <laughs> so Neil DeGrasse <laughs> Tyson,
1: we love you. <laughs> a gem, he is a gem. <laughs> uh, what oh do you wanna, boy, what do you want to talk is, about? There's so much to talk about. <laughs> I I want to talk about Sci-Fi Wire has been doing a l- bunch of top 25 things for their like site celebration. And I want to talk about their top 25 biggest genre moments of the last decade. Okay. Um, I think this list is interesting. I haven't mulled it enough to say what it's missing. But a few of the things that they put on it, I was like, really? Um, And then a few of the things I totally agreed about. So, for example, a thing that I agree is a big deal for genre is what they had. It's number three on their list. Disney buys Lucasfilm. Um, Because, yes, obviously, like this has really changed the way that the star trek property or excuse me star wars what <laughs> the way star wars property is handled um and that was just a slip of the tongue guys i know the difference um <laughs> Don't it's add changed her. the way the property is handled and and so yeah like be it for good or ill it seems to be good at the moment though like that is a big deal for genre and and they have um gamergate on here they have jodie oh, Whittaker again cast one. as the doctor like those are all legit genre moments i was a little confused by the edgar wright leaves ant-man inclusion like i <laughs> was it really that big of a deal <laughs> i did not get that either i was like um okay was it's i supposed like, to
0: really care about right that? Am I like perhaps
1: something? right perhaps i have missed a boat that i didn't even know existed on this one but yeah i i I am the confused about what makes that such a big genre deal i don't know um but game of thrones premieres is on here which i would agree that is is like was the first you know game of thrones is really the first epic fantasy tv show made for a commercial audience that is not just fantasy people um and i think it has totally changed the landscape so i agree with that one too
0: Yeah. The Wizarding World of Harry Potter. That's Mm -hmm. kind of funny. Like you don't expect to see like an amusement park necessarily. But um, I was totally excited about that. So personally, (laughs) that Mm -hmm. makes sense. But sometimes these lists make me feel like very out of the loop with pop culture because I'm like okay like uh, the wonder woman thing wonder woman is definitely a big one um Mm -hmm. stephen king's it becoming the number one horror movie of all time domestically um i agree Uh, the thing is that i for for instance i i was like i would have added nk Jemison winning the hugo for best novel being the first black person to win the hugo like That was huge to me. And then she won it again. Yeah. Yeah. And that was a record again. Like, Mm -hmm. it wasn't the first, but it was um, when a few times somebody had won it twice in a row. But, yeah, there were some things I felt were missing from here, like, and I don't know if that's just, you know, sometimes it's just personal preference. And, you know, mm-hmm. like when you put lists together, sometimes oh, it's yeah. like, well, you can't cover everything. But there were definitely some questionable, some questionable ones on this list and some things I thought that they missed out on. But, I mean, that's 25 years. It it right. does make me think like, wow, a lot has happened. A lot has happened right. in 25
1: <laughs> years. I don't want to think too yeah. hard about it. <laughs> No, no. Let's not think too hard about it. It'll <laughs> hurt our brains. The other thing about this list that cracked me up was the inclusion of Netflix. Like just Netflix, just Netflix. <laughs> and they're not wrong, but like I don't know that it's specifically genre related. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, um, like that covers. You could just say
0: streaming
1: there if you right, want. Right. Like. Right. <laughs> okay. <It's funny. laughs> oh, all right. List. So lists. Lists mm-hmm. are fun. They are fun. Yeah, they're fun. They're fun. <laughs> um,
0: how about the the Annihilation trailer? I know we've been talking about that around Book Riot recently. Yes. And I, I did end up watching it. And again, I, we were talking about this before when they were first um, starting to talk about the Annihilation adaptation that's um, based on the book by Jeff Vandermeer, and it's starring Natalie Portman and... It uh, they just released the trailer very recently, and I watched the trailer. I have not read the book yet. Um, but I guess there were some issues too. There were some issues that were raised when the trailer came out and when the adaptation news came out about some whitewashing um, that happens in the movie w- in regards yes. to Natalie Portman's character. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I am not as uh, familiar with it because I haven't read the book, but I know that she was supposed, the character was supposed to be Asian, right?
1: Yeah, so the character is described very clearly, actually, as being, like, as having clear Asian heritage. So, like, the implication is that she's biracial or mixed race, but, like, obviously with... You know, Asian heritage, um, and obviously that is not Natalie Portman. No, I, Jeff and I were talking about this on the main podcast, which I guessed it on, and you know, to my own shame, I did not remember that from the books. So it, I, I had to, it, I had to have it pointed out to me. Um, but it is very clear when you go back and look, and it, it's a bummer like, it's more than a bummer. It's it's a real, it's yet another version, you know, instance of Hollywood doing the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes me especially sad because the trailer seems to have a lot of potential. Like, to me, it looked like they nailed the visuals. Um, they looked so creepy and cool and organic. And, you know, that's very much in the spirit of the books, which I have read uh, all of them. And so so it's 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 just like you know it's yet another like we can't this is why we can't have nice things yeah <laughs> like, why why can't we have nice things um <sighs> And it's just disappointing, you know, and I I mean, I'll, I'll, I am very likely to see it anyway, but I will also note that there was not enough Tessa Thompson and Gina Rodriguez in that trailer. Like I I really expected to see more of them and I didn't, which like then also makes me a little bit nervous. Like if you're going to cast those two, you got to give them some stuff to do. So, so I'm, I, I like want to be very hopeful and excited about it, but now I'm a little nervous. Yeah, I can
0: understand why. And I, you were mentioning the casting. And so I was looking for those two women and I did notice that they barely showed up. And the thing is that sometimes, and this is the problem like Hollywood marketing, I feel like they just, they're just not there. They're not with it. They're not woke. And (laughs) they just, sometimes, like for instance, even with trailers and with the posters and stuff, like you don't even know what to expect of the movie and mm-hmm. so i don't think it's naive to be hopeful that maybe you'll you'll get more out of it than you see in the trailer but uh i just uh, like that move the casting of natalie Portman, yeah. we were just talking about how refreshing it was that you know ed screen stepped down from his role as ben daimio who was an asian character in the hellboy reboot
1: And it was like,
0: oh, that's, like, actors can do that. They have that power. But then, like, people in Hollywood studios and marketing execs, execs, I don't even think they they don't even consider it. Which is really unfortunate. Like, they think they can sort of sneak by. And I think that this happens a lot with biracial characters, too. Like, Mm -hmm. if it's only mentioned that one side of the family is Asian, then... This is assuming they even think about this, which I don't think they do. Then I feel like right. they can like sneak in with just casting a white actor which, you know, like can't we just <laughs> diversify a little like people Could do want. People want to see diverse characters. They don't need to always see a white character. And right. I'm yeah. I'm really disappointed in that but I too am going to see it I watched the trailer and it does look incredible like I'm always there for a really epic high budget science fiction movie Mm -hmm. so I'm excited about it I'm with you on being hesitant but also slightly hopeful that um I don't know that it's going to be good and that I mean, they can't recast it, so. Nope, nope, too late. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So there you are. I mean, I feel like it's probably going to be a good movie.
1: Mm hmm, mm hmm.
0: But I just wish we could make some changes here. Yep. With diversity in Hollywood, please.
1: Somebody Mm -hmm. help us. Mm -hmm. Anybody, somebody. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, all right. Um, to- should we do our next sponsor and then dive into some books oh, is yeah, it about I guess that it's, time it's
0: about that time um sure so our second sponsor is provenance and you probably know the author Anne leckie she did the ancillary uh, she did ancillary justice um oh, it's the series um so this is Following this record-breaking debut, and Anne Leckie is an award-winning novelist, she's returning with a new novel about power, theft, privilege, and birthright. Um, it's about a power-driven young woman who has one chance to secure the status she craves and regain priceless lost artifacts prized by her people. She must free their thief from a prison planet from which no one has ever returned, Ingray and her charge return to her home and find their planet in political turmoil at the heart of an escalating interstellar conflict. They must make a new plan to salvage her future, her family, and her world before they're lost to her for good. And when I read this, and actually I was, I've been anticipating this book for a long time, and lucky I've I've heard so much about her, and I know she's a fantastic writer, and she writes these really great Fast-paced space thrillers. So I was really looking forward to this one. And it sort of reminded me ridiculously of, like, an escape from New York or something because oh. of that, like, the convict. <laughs> and you have to, like, get the convict to help out with, you know, humanity and basically your what happens to your world and your people. So I, <laughs> I thought that this was great. And I love that she writes these strong female characters um so yeah provenance by Anne lucky pick that one up and i don't think that this is a series so you can read that as a standalone perhaps um and thank you so much for sponsoring the show
1: yeah, I have read two of the three ancillary books and really loved them. And I I have this one. I just haven't gotten to it yet, but I have it. I'm so excited for when I get to read it. Um. I know I have
0: it too. It's been sitting on my desk and you know you know how my, things are with tbrs i like. was just
1: gonna say <laughs> tbrs are out of control in the fall like Much. it's it, if it was a spring book i would have read it by now but for fall it's just impossible to keep up it's so crazy
0: but we can talk about it once we we finish yes. it because oh yeah i'm super excited i'm hoping nobody maybe. spoils it for me though
1: <laughs> uh. maybe we'll have to do like a like a sci-fi and fantasy heists show Ooh, theme that sounds that would be, i would i would love that let's do that <laughs> all right we'll do that okay um but that's not our theme today it today <laughs> our theme is horror crossovers so thinking about the dark fantasy and dark science fiction that functions as a sort of multiple genre book um i am cheating a little bit here I have three things to talk about. That's okay. Sorry. You're I'm sorry, but I just <laughs> couldn't pick. I got really worked up about it. Like when I was doing prep for this show, I went back and forth and around and around, and I just, I literally could not bring myself to just like shout out one of them. I was like, no, I have to talk about them. So. <laughs> So my first pick is Victor Laval. Surprise! Yay! Everybody is shocked. I know, but he—this is what he does. This is what he is so good at. And um, the books I picked to talk about are actually it's a novel and the companion novella, um, Devil in Silver and Lucretia and the Croons. So Devil in Silver is not one of the ones that gets the most chatter of laval's books but it was the first one i read by him and it really shaped my experience of his books and the whole thing takes place in a mental institution in queens that's like derelict and maybe shouldn't still be open but is Mm. um and the main character pepper is this just like This guy, he's literally just, like, you know, just one of those guys Um, in New York. Like, that's who he is. He, like, gets in bar fights. He's, like, working class. He's just this white guy. Um, And he gets checked into the mental institution as a result of this, you know, like he basically gets picked up by the police and they decide instead of taking him to jail, they're going to check him into the mental institution. Um, And he's like, he can't quite square up what happened in his memory with what, where he is now. And the first night something comes into his room And it's, like, got the body of an old man and the head of a bison. And it almost Uh, kills him uh. before it, like, gets chased off. (laughs) And he's, like... I'm not crazy, but am I crazy? Like, there can't really be, like, a literal devil roaming this mental institution, right? And the other patients, many of whom have serious mental issues, are like, no, no, that's real. And he's like, is it real or is it not real? Like, and the whole book is him trying to figure out what is going on. And it's interesting because pepper is kind of hateful in a lot of ways. Like he's casually <laughs> racist. He's like oh. a little bit of a sexist, you know, he's like, he is literally just some guy, um, who's, you know, is not particularly remarkable in any way. He's just like a normal Joe. And so being inside of his head, especially in these circumstances is a super weird experience. So this book is weird on multiple levels. Um, And one of the side characters in Devil and Silver, who was my favorite, uh, Lucci, who's a bipolar teenage girl um, who is Latina and who is very, like, physically violent. Like, she's, like, kind of the group's enforcer, which is hilarious because Pepper is, like, a big dude. Um, But she's, like, the one who's, like, you know, punching people and stuff. Um, She got her own story, her own novella called Lucretia and the Croons that is so surreal, And freaky. She, in the story, um, she and her neighbor are uh, like well no so her neighbor goes missing so lucretia climbs up the fire escape crawls through the window of their apartment which turns out to be a portal to a shadow land ruled by like a terrible family of mutants and she goes on a quest through this alternate queens trying to find her family and it's got landmarks like the giant globe from the world's fair um that's in flushing like it's got queen's landmarks and but it's this like really surreal horror-y short story um or novella excuse me so yeah the pair of them together are like a one-two punch that I highly recommend so that's Victor Lavelle's uh The Devil in Silver and Lucretia and the Croons
0: I really like creature horror so when you were describing mm. the the horrible creature even though it Gave me the chills and I wanted nothing (laughs) to do with it. I also need to know about it <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah and all of his stuff does have these elements of fantasy in it right like yeah even you know the changeling it's very obvious um but even this one which is definitely much more on, on the horror side of the fence I think it has these fantastical elements like this portal Shadowland, that she gets by climbing through the apartment window like he's just so good at working those in and I don't read a lot of horror but I will read anything that he writes
0: <laughs> I will too, and I love horror. Um, and I'm not—I'm not necessarily cheating, but I do have to give a shout out. <laughs> <laughs> I have to get a, give a shout out to this book because I just started reading it this weekend, so I'm not done with it. But I just started reading *The Good House* by Tanana Reeve too, and I am just like. I feel like I've been looking for sort of that um, vintage Stephen King type book. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this one just, it's there. It's like basically a haunted house story with supernatural, obviously supernatural elements. And it's about a house that belonged to Angela Toussaint, um, who was this woman in the, like, she's living in 2001. She was her late grandmother and there is something very strange about the house, and it takes place in this really little, this small town in Washington. And I was particularly interested because there were all sorts of like Portland, Washington, and Los Angeles references in this book. Um, but it's about the Toussaint, the Toussaint family history, and it's you know it's about a black family, which you know I'm. I'm always there for, especially with like haunted house books. I don't know the last time I came across something like this. So I wanted to give a shout out to The Good House. I'm still reading it. It is a big book, but I am completely, completely enthralled. And it feels so perfect for Autumn. Um, but my first actual pick <laughs> <laughs> is White is for Wishing by Helen Oyeyemi who is one of my favorite writers of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, and this book falls under, it does have a little bit of that creature horror element, but um, I'm not going to tell you how because it's a little bit spoilery. But this falls under this that really quietly creepy category. And I think um, Yemi is really good at that like Boy Snow Bird had a little bit of that but it didn't terrify me like this book terrified me like this book gave me some nightmares <laughs> oh man but I love that I love like books that affect me like that hor- horror slash fantasy books um so it's set in Dover it's in a house on the cliffs this is another one where the house is a character in the book so it's set in a house on the cliffs that, and um there's the Silver family living in this house. It's Miranda and her twin brother Elliot. Their mother, Lily, lived there with them, and their father, Luke, lives there. But Lily, very early in the book, like right at the start, we found we find out that she passed away overseas and she was working. Um, when she passed away, and the details of her death are very strange and very mysterious, and you don't know what's going on, and the way that the story is narrated, you can't really tell who is narrating it at first. Is it the house that's speaking? Is it Elliot? Like who is talking? And the the formatting of it is also very odd. So as you're going through the story, you learn that Miri uh, Miranda has this. She has this health issue and this psychological issue called uh, pica, and it's a disorder where she eats—basically she eats a lot of chalk, but she'll eat a lot of strange non-food items, and you don't know—the family doesn't seem to be addressing this problem— And so you're sort of thrown into this story about the Silvers, and you get these details about their lives, and you know that there's something strange going on with them in the house, but you don't get to really figure it out right away. Like, there is no exposition. So as you're going through the story, you're trying to figure out, like, first of all, what's wrong with Miri? Why does she always seem so haunted? What's going on with the house? Why is it trapping, for instance, their housekeepers? In you know the the elevator shaft, and there's also this other element of xenophobia. There are some immigrants in the town, and the way that the the small town of Dover is handling the immigrants, you can tell that there is some serious xenophobia happening. The house also seems to confront some xenophobia in a very strange way. Um, and one of my favorite characters in the book is Charde, who's the housekeeper. And she seems to be the only one who knows sort of what's going on in the house. She comes with from a Yoruba background and she knows about a lot of traditions and a lot of mythology and a lot of really bad spiritual stuff, which is basically what the story starts to feel like. And meanwhile, Miri is kind of going through her life. She's just about to embark um, on her first year at college, and she meets a girl named Orr, another one of my favorite characters, who's um, a Nigerian adoptee. And Orr is... You know, she really likes Miri, but she also knows that there is something strange going on with her and she goes to visit her and things do not go well. But it's such a good book and there is some seriously, like I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about some of the scenes. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's a, is there something in my closet right now? Ooh. Sort of story. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also, it has like, really deep themes along with um just being a, a sort of horror story and a supernatural story so again Helen Oyayemi, such a wonderful writer also very much like she's very good with the surrealism um so if you like the sound of that if you want to be scared <laughs> pick up <laughs> White Is For Witching by Helen Oyayemi.
1: She is good, but I I haven't read that one. I read *Boy, Snowbird*, which is amazing, and then her short story collection, um, *What Is Not Yours, Not Yours*, is a favorite. But neither of them are too horrifying, which is good because I am such a whim when it comes to these things. We're really lucky I'm not recording in my closet today because I would oh, have no. to like I would have to pause. Um, okay, <laughs> so my next pick is another one of those writers. Again, I don't read a lot of this stuff, but the authors who I love. I will read it just from them. Um, and Lauren Bucus is one of those writers. She has a couple of these. Um, the Shining Girls is one of hers where there's like a time-traveling serial killer and a haunted house, which is bananas. Um, wow. But I want to talk about – yeah, it's crazy. I want to talk about Broken Monsters, which has made it so that I have a really hard time going into art galleries now. <laughs> um, <laughs> So it takes place in Detroit, and there are a few sort of lead characters that you're following around. One of them is a detective, uh, Gabriella Versado, who is like, you know, very sort of used to her job. She's seen a lot of bodies, Um, but she gets called to the scene of a crime, and it is weird. It's weirder than anything she's ever seen because there's a boy, a dead boy, but he's also half deer, And somehow, like, his dear half and his boy half are fused together in a way that, like, is befuddling the autopsy people and the forensic scientists. They're like, yeah, I don't understand what's going on here. Um, And there becomes a string of, like, increasingly weirdly morphed bodies. And then you're also following her teenage daughter, Layla, who is, like, doing... making bad teenage choices. Um, And then there's this journalist who's the worst, who's, like, basically there to do that sort of, you know, decay porn stuff. Like, oh, look at this, you know, falling apart mansion. Like, look how beautiful all this poverty is. Like, thanks. Um... (laughs) <laughs> and, then, and then there's a guy um, whose family has become homeless and he's just trying to like keep his family safe and in the meantime there is like a serial killer who's making people's bodies not be normal bodies anymore um, there's threads of technology in here too like she basically turns art and technology into tools of horror over the course of this novel I don't want to say how because it's spoilers mm-hmm. but um, and I will also tell you that I have a bird tattoo and that that also gets play in here in a way that like gave me the heebie-jeebies. I was no. like, "Oh god. Oh god. <laughs> what is what will happen to me? Like I, is nowhere safe." Um, and she's just so good. She's so good at making really sort of fantastical things be so beautiful and so creepy and horrifying like it is a weird skill that some writers have and she has it so yes that is broken monsters by lauren Bucus.
0: i read that book on
1: audiobook oh and
0: it was like rainy around that time Ooh. and i was definitely like it's funny how you can be driving to work and you can be completely creeped out, even though there are cars all around you. And <laughs> I'm all
1: around you, so, I was like hunched over my steering. <laughs> I have a question for you. Uh-huh. D- d- were there different narrators for the different characters, or was it one narrator?
0: Um, I believe it was. Oh no, no, no! There were different. There were different narrators. I read this a okay. while back, but I remember the male voices being distinctly different.
1: Oh, okay. Um, I was yeah. just curious as to how they would do that, right? Because it does switch perspective several times.
0: Yeah, so. there might even have been three narrators um, mm. because one of the male voices, I mean, some people are really good at changing their mm-hmm. voice up, but one of the male voices did not sound like the other male voice. So.
1: Interesting.
0: Interesting. Yeah, it
1: was it was really good. I really enjoyed it on audiobook if
0: anybody's thinking about that.
1: I I met her afterwards at a reading, like after that book had come out, and she like saw my tattoo and she was like, oh, you haven't read my book yet. And I was like, no, (laughs) I have read your book, in fact. And like, how dare you? (laughs) I can't quite tear it off. But (laughs) no, like it's there. I've had it for years. Like, what do you want me to do? Oh, no. (laughs) You'll just have
0: to think happy bird thoughts. (laughs) That's
1: right. That's right.
0: (laughs) Um, My last pick is, I wanted to say an oldie, but it's really not that old. Um, It's The Girl with All the Gifts by M.R. Carey, which feels old just because a movie has already been made about it um, or adapted from it. And I listened to this one on audiobook as well, and I would highly recommend it. It's narrated by uh, Finty Williams, who's Judy Dench's daughter. And she actually narrates, like, a lot of Emma Carey's books, like Fellside and The Boy on the Bridge. Um, she narrates both of those. She was fantastic. She gave this so much mood. And there is so much mood in this story. So the story's told from Melanie's perspective, um... Which is what, in my opinion, gave this book a lot of its specialness Mm -hmm. uh, because we've seen and read so many zombie stories and I didn't think I'd be interested in another one until I read this book. So Melanie is a really thoughtful and smart girl and she's sort of like the head of her class, but it turns out in a disturbing way. Um, And it seems silly for me to be tiptoeing around the book because it's, you know, that movie adaptation came out a while back and... I don't know. I don't know if it's all spoiled anyway.
1: I, I, I support your decision, though. I think that's part of what makes the book so good, is not yeah. really knowing what's going on.
0: Yeah, I think so, too, because the beginning of the book is really like, it grabs you right at the beginning, because you you can sense that there's something strange going on um, about these kids. For instance, Melanie is kept in a facility with the rest of her classmates, and the outside world is basically in shambles. This takes place in sort of a, I guess, post-apocalyptic future where the human species is really clinging for dear life, but it's not immediately apparent what happened to make it that way. And all we see is what Melanie sees, and she's obsessed with her teacher, Miss Justino, and with this mythology and the stories that she hears in class, and there's sort of a Pandora's box box theme that plays through the storyline. Um But the kids in the facility aren't your average kids. Like, they're never let out. And they're restrained Hannibal Lecter style. They're not treated well at all. And then something happens. And Melanie, just to know, um, the doctor in the facility, Dr. Caldwell and this guy, Sergeant Parks, along with some others, have to leave the facility and face the world outside. And Melanie is sort of at the center of this story as someone they have to transport. And she's the key to humankind's fate. But as you read, it sort of becomes apparent that this is also a story about humanity, as post-apocalyptic books tend to be, and about how much of it we're willing to sacrifice for survival's sake. Um I was completely on the edge of my seat this entire story. It felt kind of like Justin Cronin's The Passage in that way. And the character Melanie kind of reminded me of that and Melanie and Miss O's relationship. Um, So I think that if you enjoyed those books, you'll really like this one. It's really fast-paced. I feel like I finished it in, like, no time. Um, it was definitely creepy, and there were some like gory moments. So, you know, just just take that uh, with grain of salt. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it it's a monster book, but I think like what made the story really horrifying is that it felt very realistic. Like you could imagine something like this happening. And I learned some horrible science facts that I wish I had yes. never looked up. <laughs>
1: Agree on all counts.
0: (laughs) I regret it all. (laughs) All of it. (laughs) But Carrie, he just did a great job of making it feel real between the complexity of the characters and, you know, the world building or tearing down of the world. And there were some really good tense moments in there. The ending was so good. Um, You have to read it. You have to read it. So it's The Girl with All the Gifts by M.R. Carey. Don't watch the movie. Read the book.
1: <laughs> That's my tip. Yeah, right. That's always the safe bet. Um, it is. Okay, so remember when they discovered those wasps that could make zombie spiders that did their bidding? Do you yes. Remember? That like, is, is, yes. Remember, oh my this Are is like a real thing that up? happened. So my, my last pick is a novel basically about that. It's... It's Invasive Species by Joseph Wallace, and it is about an apocalypse brought on by a new strain of bug, a strain of wasps that are possibly going to destroy the world (laughs) Um, it is it starts with this guy Trey who's a researcher and he is working for a conservation trust in Senegal West Africa um, when some very strange things start happening Um, he is like sort of told to mind his own business so of course he doesn't Um, and he goes into the rainforest which is being destroyed by you know encroaching civilization um, where and he finds Like, some really weird deforestation patterns, and he thinks there is a cover-up going on, but he doesn't know exactly what it is. And in the meantime, all over the world, like, strange things are happening with animals and with people and the government is trying to figure out like is it an epidemic like what is going on and it all revolves around this parasitic insect and oh my no. god like bugs are the worst i can't bugs are the worst oh and i will say that it's really funny i picked this up because the author joseph wallace wrote a book about like like a really sweet literary novel about a of like a baseball female bla- baseball player from history, like okay. he wrote, like, a, yeah, <laughs> so I know, strange. I know. He wrote this book called Diamond Ruby, and it's about like you know New York baseball and like the history of this female player. And you're like, all right. And then he wrote this book, and I was like, what is going on? <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a sequel that I haven't read yet, but that I will someday. And like, it is kind of astonishing that I made it through this book because I already do not like bugs and like, you know, wasps that can make zombies out of other beings are... An absolute nightmare. Um, But he did a great job of keeping the story moving. The tension is high. The premise is horrifying. And the end is just closed off enough that like you don't feel like you're waiting for the sequel. But it's also a really interesting point at which to end it where you're like, I wonder Mm -hmm. how this is going to play out. Like, I wonder how this is going to play out. Um, I thought he balanced that really well. So yeah if you if you are willing to get freaked out by some bugs um invasive species by joseph wallace is one you should pick up (laughs) that sounds mad (laughs) it's you know it's interesting because really at its heart like like all horror novels like you were saying like you know a lot of apocalypse novels are about humanity and like the choices we have made um and that's true of invasive species as well like it's about our disregard for the Environment and what we might be creating or unleashing by the way we choose to ignore the ramifications of our actions, like that's yeah. that is at the core what this like bug thriller is about. Um, but it's also you know one of those like high stakes, like you know almost Michael Crichtony kind of stories. Like it's very yeah, it does sound it, Michael Crichton when you say it very, like that. Yeah, like David Brin, Michael Crichton, like that kind of thing. <gasps> zombie bugs, zombie thing. bugs. All right, so before <laughs> before we close it out, we're going to do a round of lit chat because you guys as you have been hearing, perhaps, um, need to know that we have created a cool thing called Lit Chat, which is now out live in the world. It is. People are taking pictures and sending them to us. Bless you people. That's wonderful. (laughs) Um, And it is a box of conversation starters about books in life because we know that the only thing that's more fun than talking about books, or excuse me, than reading books is talking about books with other book nerds. So this is a box of 50 cards, That all have different prompts on them that would be great for a party game or a book club. Um, Really any gathering where there are people who like to talk about books, that is where you want to have this box set. So I believe we have both pulled a card. We have. Um, We're going to do a quick round to give you an idea of what it's like. What did you pull? Okay, I got... How do you treat
0: your books? Do you make notes in them, dog your pages, or do you keep every page absolutely pristine?
1: Oh, I'm such a jerk. I dog ear. I dog ear. I stick weird things in the books to mark pages when I can't find bookmarks. I write inside of them, and I spill peanut butter and tea on them. And I put books on top of the cover. I uh, mugs on top of the covers of the books. I'm I'm a bad. I'm a I'm I'm a very careless book owner.
0: I don't understand how people keep their books so tidy. I am completely <laughs> with you. I just. I I'm the same way. Like sometimes they're coasters. I still yes. love the words inside. Yes. Yes. Sometimes but, I'm like, like
1: so you know, got it's fine. You gotta put your
0: glass somewhere. Exactly. I mean, there had there was a time for me when I felt like it was a sin to write in my book. Like I would try to put post-it notes and in things instead. But nowadays I'm kind of like, the older I get, I'm like, you know what? <laughs> Nothing
1: lasts forever. <laughs> Seize the day. Everything will fade. Why not doge your your books? Exactly.
0: (laughs) I I know there are some people who are probably horrified by us right now.
1: (laughs) I mean, listen, you guys. What are you gonna do? Like, I I will say that there are some hardcovers I have that are signed, and like, you know, those don't just. I don't just leave those lying around. That's true. You've got to, you have your special books. Yeah, Everybody but there's does. like five of them versus the <laughs> hundreds of others that I have spilled coffee on. So
0: <laughs> No judgment. This is lit chat, people. That's right.
1: <laughs> what was your question? Okay, I pulled if you could join a friend group from any book, which one would you choose? I cannot wait to hear your answer for this.
0: This was so hard and I'm kind of conflicted, but I think that it would be the kids from Shadow Shaper by Daniel Jose. Like I wish if I had been, if I was a high schooler and I did not have a pleasant high school experience, I wish I had been hanging around with, like, Sierra Santiago and all of her friends, because they are so fun and so funny. And I just I just felt like they were my friends when I was reading this book. So that was the immediate first group of people
1: that came to me. I like that. That's good. Yeah, high school was terrible. Um, yeah, it was really bad. I... You know, I I kept changing my mind about this, but I'm going to say that it would be the crows from this paranormal romance series that I love. Um, the first book is called The Unleashing. It's by Shelley Laurenston, and it features a group of women who have all, like, basically died violent deaths, but this Norse goddess, scald, like kind of like kind of like valkyries like she collects female warriors basically at the moment of their death and like gives them a choice to like come back and like work for her as it were like be her yeah like be her agent in the world because all of the norse gods in this concept are like real and like they're losing they're losing their talismans and fighting with each other and they need you know sort of troops to do their bidding um and so uh the crows are this group of women who are like really badass (laughs) like they're they and Skald is like a violent like goddess. Um I can't remember exactly what she's the goddess. That sounds of, but like, like a fun person. <laughs> yeah, she's like all of the other Norse gods like hate her. Yeah. And um and 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 the gift that she gives these women who are now her sort of like, you know, her her and not minions, but like her, her, you know, enforcers or whatever is rage. Like they are powered by anger and it is so rare that you see women who are not the bad guys getting to harness the power of anger. Um, and you like, it's just not, and you know, I've been thinking about it a lot because, uh, I, I do some of the interviews for recommended one of our other podcasts and somebody who I interviewed picked this series and we were talking about how rare it is that women are allowed to really harness and act on anger and not be vilified for it. And it just really stuck with me, especially considering like, How I get angry every day now (laughs) and a lot, you know, just because of the world being the world that we live in. Agreed. Um, And how often that anger just turns to despair, right? Because you feel like there's nothing you can do. But like reminding myself that like sometimes you can harness that anger and use it for good. Like that's a, that's a group that I want to be a part of. Like that is a real squad goals that I have. Wow. That's a fantastic answer. uh, I I like like how I'm giving myself feelings now. Me too. <laughs> Everybody reads Shelley Lawrence. <laughs> so yeah, that is, that is my answer is the crows from the unleashing. So lit chat yeah. is awesome. Lit chat's great. I love it yes. so much. So go to bookriotcom riot.com slash lit chat to order your copy, or you can go to local stores perhaps and find it. And if you do send us a picture, um, okay, that's our show. Thank you so much for listening. If you have thoughts about any of the news stories we've talked about or suggestions as to themes for the, for a future show, we would love to hear them. You can email us at sffyeah at bookriot.com. If you like this show or if you don't, please go ahead and review and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We love to see your feedback, um, and it helps other people to find the show. Speaking of finding us, you can catch me on Tumblr. It's Jen. IRL.tumblr.com. Sharifa, what about you? You can find me on
0: Instagram. I'm at S-Z-A-I-N-A-B-Williams. S-Z-A-I-N-A-B-Williams.
1: And we'll talk to you next time. Talk to you next time. Bye.